2: Thanks guys. Um, I'm doing my dramatic reenactment on a PC for the first time ever, and that's why you can still see the toolbar. No one could figure out how to make it go into full screen without it automatically changing the images, so just bear with me if some kind of technical difficulty happens. Thanks to Skylight Books. Thanks to Razor Cake Magazine. Thanks to all of you for coming out. Public speaking kind of makes me want to vomit in terror, so, um, you know, if I flub a line, let's just laugh along with me instead of at me. Great, I'm going to start this thing. Hello, my name is Liz Prince. I've made a career drawing autobiocomics. My first of such comics were drawn in high school about the things my friends and I would do for fun. I enjoyed drawing comics that people could relate to or otherwise just found amusing. I collected those comics in a self-published zine. I drew a comic about my first real relationship in college. It became a book called, Will You Still Love Me If I Wet the Bed? It was published by Top Shelf Productions in 2005 and won an Ignatz Award for Outstanding Debut. It is definitely my most popular book to date, in no small part because of the reference to peeing in the title. (laughs) Top Shelf then published a collection of comic strips called Delayed Replays. It was far less popular. Note the absence of urination reference. (laughs) In February this year, Top Shelf published what I consider to be a sequel to We Used to Love Me, a comic about dating called Alone Forever, The Singles Collection. My previous Top Shelf books are collections of comics that were first self-published. You're all here because I finally achieved my teenage dream of drawing a graphic novel. This is a book called Tomboy. All of my comics give you a window into my day-to-day, but Tomboy is the story of my life. I had a happy early childhood. I considered myself to be highly fashionable. (laughs) I loved toys. And those are battle beasts in front of me. If you don't know what battle beasts are, you were probably born after 1985. <laughs> and that means you're probably cooler than I am at this point. I imagined myself on grand adventures. And I wore gold chains, apparently. I don't remember that part of my, uh, my toddler fashion statement, but there's living proof of it. I wrote Ghostbusters fan fiction. <laughs> My best friend was a popple and we were inseparable, like to the point where my popple was considered another student in my class. And again, if you don't know what a popple is, you're probably a great deal younger than I am. I was slightly cynical and introspective. (laughs) I was totally normal, except that all the things I liked were considered to be for boys. And I am a girl. My parents have always encouraged my quirky sense of self, which is how I ended up wearing this on picture day in kindergarten. (laughs) Yep, best dressed (laughs) four-year-old award goes to me. I chose that outfit myself. You see, I was born very strong-willed, and I was born a tomboy. I think it went something like this. Congratulations, it's a girl. That's what you think. Tomboy is a memoir about my early childhood to adolescence, and the trouble that gender stereotypes played in between. If Tomboy was a movie, the trailer would sound like this. In a world where boys are snips and snails and puppy dog tails, and girls are sugar and spice and everything nice, one kid is fed up with it. No, mommy, no. No, I don't like any dress. I hate them. I eschewed the gender stereotype of a typical girl, not because I was being subversive, just because that was how I felt. Let's just say that it wasn't easy for other kids to jive with my free spirit. Liz is a he, she, yeah, yeah. Bug off. Sometimes it went beyond just being teased to the point of being physically bullied, an experience that doesn't seem to be reflected in the stories I've heard of my female friends' childhoods. Here she comes, ha ha. Have a nice trip. I can't believe she fell for it. My bullies, like all good bullies, are adept at puns. (laughs) Not many girls I know were beaten up by boys. And not many girls I know got into physical fights with boys as retaliation. Perhaps I invited these things because I presented myself as a boy. But I wasn't the only one having trouble with bullies. Oh my god, I didn't notice that was there. Awful. What's wrong? A big kid on the bus keeps calling me a girl. My younger brother had just started kindergarten, he was already following in my footsteps. In my brother's case, he was made fun of for having long hair, a trend that became popular a few years later when grunge got big. My brother was just an unappreciated fashion guru, perhaps. But just in case, let's go over the inventory. He had long hair, a boy's shirt, boy's pants, and boy's shoes. Diagnosis, still a boy. Whereas I had a boy's hat, boy's shirt, boy's pants, and boy's shoes. Diagnosis, still wants to be a boy. I was made fun of for being too boyish and my brother was made fun of for not having gotten a haircut in a year. I guess you can't blame someone for pointing out what they perceive as differences, but why does it matter so much? To borrow a metaphor from the kitchen sink, Children form strong opinions easily. They soak up information from their parents, school, and the media, and repeat it back to the world. (laughs) So when you don't look or act like what everyone has been told is the norm, you get proverbially barfed on a lot. Boys don't have long hair. You're a family of freaks. You don't look like a girl. And here's the thing. I didn't want to be a girl. I didn't like girls and I didn't think girls were cool. I was perplexed as to why all the boys on my team shunned me when they think a girl who played baseball was cooler than one who didn't. How I saw it. Let's play catch. Cool. Let's have a tea party. Not cool. In hindsight, it was probably less that they disliked me and more that they saw having a girl on their team as a weakness. How my teammates saw me. Let's play catch. And why wouldn't they perceive me as a weakness? I perceived other girls as being weak, too. This is a painting of my horse, Princess. Very good, Jolene. Lame. Catch! You guys gotta check out this nest of worms I found. Ew, no way. So gross. And when I realized that I biologically had no choice but to become a woman, I panicked. Dear God, I won't pretend to know what your plan is for me. But please don't make me be a girl. So can you make sure I never get boobs or have my period? I promise I'll be really, really good. Thank you, O Lord. Amen. Previously, my prayers have read more like a shopping list and less like an appeal for spiritual aid. Dear God, please let me get a popple for my birthday. (laughs) Dear God, Luke has a proton pack and I need one too. Dear God, have you seen the new Battle Beasts? You know what to do. I was more accurately praying to Santa Claus, but this time was different. This was about the outcome of my life, and I felt like I needed divine intervention more than ever. I was becoming more and more frustrated by the femininity that was expected of my gender, and by the time I would entered seventh grade, I began blaming other girls. Ugh, I hate being called a girl. Me too. I think I just hate girls in general. I know I do. Yeah? We hate girls. Let's spit shake on it. (laughs) It was true. I was starting to hate girls. No, sir, I don't like it. (laughs) Not that I was into the machismo of being a manly man. I bench pressed 50 nerds today. Yeah, bro. Oh, brother. It was just that, for boys, there seemed to be more options available. There were more ways to be a boy and still be accepted. Like the long-haired blues guitarist, the class clown varsity jock type, the shrimpy honor student. My Santa Fe friends are laughing at some of the people that they recognize in this. (laughs) Whereas the popular girls all appeared to be cut from the same cloth. Cheerleader, cheerleader, cheerleader. Or they were clones or something. A boy can be celebrated because of his personality and talents, regardless of how he looks. In fact, talent can make a guy attractive who may not be by traditional standards. Long hair, scraggly chin pubes, kinda scrawny. But a girl is usually only popular if she looks good. Well-groomed hair, blemishless face, perfect teeth, willingness to wear revealing clothing. I didn't feel like I connected with being a girl at all. Despite the fact that feminine wiles were completely foreign to me, My body was on the fast track to womanhood, whether I liked it or not. What is going on here? My boobs are kind of big now. By my standards, an A cup is big. And apparently my prayers were not answered. I have a butt that Sir Mix-a-Lot might appreciate. Not really. (laughs) It was horrible. I looked like such a girl. I would sometimes fantasize about what my life would be like if I was a normal girl. Let's do makeovers! My favorite! Yay! Oh my god, I love that dress on you. Thanks. I'd be voted most popular girl in the yearbook and my quote would be, girls just want to have fun. Uh, Like every teenage girl, I wanted to go on 50 soda fountain dates with the Archie gang. That was totally normal, right? I read too many comic books. Um, And I really wanted to be asked out on a date. That was my ultimate team fantasy. But I didn't like the Liz in those fantasies. I liked the Liz that I was. Being a normal girl was just never an option for me. After my freshman year, I switched schools from a Catholic junior high to a small experimental hippie school where I landed my first boyfriend and met a group of kids who made me feel like I belonged. Best of all, nobody at my new school made fun of me. Maybe it was because I had a boyfriend, so calling me a dyke was out of the question. Ugh, get a room or because the student body was only 22 kids. But I like to think it's because we were all misfits, and that meant I fit in perfectly. Those things didn't erase my anxiety. They just allowed me to think about it far less. But there were still times that I was forced to think about it. Do you wish I looked like that? What? No. As I reached my full-on teenage years, I realized that I rarely ever saw girls like me. Girls who were still, for lack of a better word, tomboys, especially not in TV, movies, or advertisements. Unless, of course, there was a tomboyish girl in a movie, like Clueless, who gets a makeover and becomes a real girl and is then liked by everyone. (laughs) I never saw myself reflected back by pop culture or even culture in general, not until I discovered punk music and zines. We were encouraged to do community service or volunteer work through school, so I chose to help out at a teen art center called Warehouse 21. My contact was a girl my age named Maggie. Maggie is a punk. She plays piano and bass and probably any other instrument you put in front of her. She drives a big wood-paneled truck, and she doesn't take shit from anyone, and she's going to come up here and read her parts in this book, even though Maggie's not her real name.
1: <laughs> Very true.
2: Hi, I'm Liz. I'm a new volunteer. Oh, hey,
1: I'm Maggie. (laughs) Do you want a tour? Have you been here before?
2: It's my first time. Then
1: follow me. This is the director's office.
2: Hi, I'm Jana. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Liz.
1: This is the video editing station. That's Jerome. He's a total dick. (laughs) Ha. This is the recording studio. It's small, but you can do voiceovers for film. Once we fit a whole band in here. Whoa. This is the screen printing studio. Have you ever done it before? No. Oh, it's easy. We can help <laughs> you make a screen. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. It's this is the performance room. You've never been to a punk show here?
2: No, I didn't know there were punk shows in Santa Fe.
1: What? You've got to come sometime. There's this local band Half Size. They're really good.
2: OK, yeah. That sounds cool. Awesome. Still got it. This girl is so cool. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So, what I was
1: hoping we'd do today is organize and catalog the donations I got for the zine library. Or start to, anyway. There's a lot. You sort that pile alphabetically, I'll do this one, and then we'll combine them.
2: Alright. girl culture telling me how to be feminine. I don't need to look like a supermodel to be a girl, and yet I've been told so through societal osmosis that I do. I want to celebrate being a woman, but I'm shown all the ways that I fall short on a never-ending basis. I don't want to be a girl on society's terms. I want to be a girl on my own terms. You see, this was a defining moment for me, because up until that point, I was totally playing into the stereotype that girls had to be a certain way, while I was myself, a girl who was not stereotypically feminine. This had never occurred to me, because our culture is set up to put people into boxes, and the people who don't fit into those boxes are met with a degree of contention. It took a fringe culture to show me that there are people like me who don't necessarily identify with all things girly, or who would rather not identify as a girl at all. All of those things are obvious to me now, and I wish I'd been able to see them when I was a floundering 13-year-old. Tomboy is about being whoever you are on your own terms. And if you're like me, that means being a 32-year-old tomboy who still sleeps with her popple. Thanks, guys. And
0: where's that Todd Taylor? Where is he? Where's Todd Taylor? He's right here.
2: Now we're going to sit in front of you. and discuss On giant awkward
0: chairs. Do
2: you think you'd like a microphone or a camera? You guys can hear us, right? Okay, good. All right, Liz. Hi. Yeah, yeah I feel like I'm on Maury Poverse. Right? <laughs> Someone's going to run out and be like, you are the mother, you are the mother.
0: You can't prove it. So my my per- Personally, my memory is shit. Okay. I can't even remember what I did last week. How do you remember with such clarity down to the days and months for
2: Tomboy? Man, you're going to ruin the magic of memoir. Um, I don't remember down to the days and months. Um, And there were some things that I had to fill in the blanks with. Um, A lot of the people in Tomboy are really more like amalgamations of several people instead of just like one person. Um, And especially for the things that happened when I was like in elementary school. Um, I don't have such a great memory of the timeline of those events. Um, I asked my mom about a lot of things just to make sure that those things actually happened to me and I wasn't just like remembering an episode of Full House or something. Um, Because you know, you watch a lot of TV you're in danger of having that happen. Um, So, The things that I wrote about were things that I really had more memories of what it felt like than more memories of what the actual exact instance was. Right, Uh, right. There was a review of the book that somebody wrote, and they were like, wow, it's so amazing. She remembers what she got for her birthday in sixth grade. And I'm like, I don't really remember what I got for my birthday in sixth grade. I know that I, you know. Someone gave me colored pencils at some point. Someone gave me a right. top and Hobbes book, so we'll just, you know, like use our imagination. Well, I was thinking also when
0: you showed it, like pictures too. Like, oh, yeah, you didn't have a gold chain or that yeah. kind of thing. Did you? Did you find any? Do you have any source material not to destroy the myth of everything mm-hmm. that betrays what you wrote about?
2: No, um, no, no, really. Um, I looked at a lot of photos just to get the feeling right or try to kind of see what kind of stupid outfit I was wearing like a gray blazer and a little Colonel Sanders tie. But uh, it's funny because last week I did this in Santa Fe, which is my hometown, and I did it at Warehouse 21, which is the place at the Teen Art Center that I mentioned in the slideshow. And um, afterwards, my mom was like oh yeah, when you were in the third grade, you like really wanted a dress. And I was like, I don't remember that. And there's like, this scene in the book where I'm forced to wear a dress. And she's like, yeah, we got you that dress when you were in third grade. And I was like, there's no way, because I wore that in seventh grade. There's no way I wore a dress that you bought me in third grade <laughs> in seventh grade. And she was like, hmm, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Our memories are all crazy. <laughs>
0: Well, the, the nice thing with that is now you get to reconstruct memories so other people can have those memories, too.
2: Yeah, well, that's the trapping of, of, of memoirs, that it's really just your, it's really perverted side of the story because it's all your side and it's all what you remember, and those things get tainted by hindsight and things that people have told you about what happened and ways that you might feel after the fact. So,
3: right.
2: so I feel, I really consider that memoir to be like, A different type of—it's like historical fiction, (laughs) personal, personal historical fiction.
0: But but almost, like almost all of your works are autobiographical. Mm -hmm. Um, But and I've read it all. I think the tomboy feels the most vulnerable. Would that be a correct assessment? Would that be like um, what was your biggest fear in creating it and actually finishing it and letting it go? Um,
2: Well, since I talk a lot about gender. Um, I really was trying to be careful not to be speaking uh, for any uh, for anybody's experience. I hope that people who read this really just like understand that it's like completely my experience with this, and I don't assume that anyone else. Right.
0: You, you told has me that experience. too. That uh, yeah. like you didn't want like uh, somebody who doesn't share the same experience yeah. to feel like a hostility towards it yeah. or feel alienated.
2: Yeah, I never, I don't think there's any point in the book where I'm like, everyone feels this way, or all Tom Boris have this feeling, so i right, was right. really careful to try to like really make it obvious that it was just my experience and just sharing that, um, and it's been great to hear from people who have read the book and related to it and have said things like, wow, I didn't know that anyone else ever felt like they swallowed liquid nitrogen when they had to wear a dress in public or right. anything right. like that. So. So it's been rewarding in that way. But um, this is definitely the book where I've mined the most of my personal experience and um, you know, I talked about some things in the book that maybe don't like present myself in the most perfect light. I mean all my comics are kinda like that. I'm a little bit of an my comic person is a little bit of an asshole, so you get to see my origin story. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so speaking of origin story, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. How influential was it that your mother
2: owned a toy store? It was pretty influential for me, and playing, as far as playing was concerned. Um, she didn't own that toy store until I was probably like 10 years old, and it was kind of more like one of those like educational toy stores. So, so she's not so the one
0: giving you pop ups and battle me. No. So,
2: I so mean, your, she, she did sponsor. give me those things, but right. they didn't come from her toy store. Right. Um, she had more like brio training sets and like uh, plain old fun stuff. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, how did you get your childhood name, Mushy? Well,
2: some convoluted story about a Russian goalie for some hockey team. And my dad thought I looked like him, so then I got the nickname Mushy. <laughs> and he actually like followed me for the entire time that I lived in Boston before I moved to Santa Fe. I had family friends who like always called me that and then um, some of them still live in my neighborhood and sometimes when they see me they like call me that and I'm like that's the worst, why would they do that? <laughs> but yeah, my dad thought I looked like a Russian uh, hockey goalie so that should give you some indication as to maybe why I turned out the
0: way I did. <laughs> but uh, y- 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 your dad is kind of treated like a, a-, a-, a Peanuts adult. Yeah. Exactly. He's-, he's very much in the background. Yeah. Uh, does he feel bad about
2: that? Well, he's dead, so I don't know if he has any <laughs> feelings about that. Um, but he was not a present figure in my upbringing. Right. Um, so that was really kind of just the most natural way to, like, write about him. He's really just more like a one-liner. I think he only shows up, like, twice and like, does something completely yeah. like unimportant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> OK. So, yeah, that's interesting, because it's I I think you made like there's so many smart decisions, Tomboy, Mm -hmm. where you're not talking about divorce, you're Mm -hmm. not talking about other things, uh, other other very important, weighty things. Uh, Everything is going through keeping to the main story, which is which is difficult, you know, and for such a for a a longer period of time too, through the whole book.
2: Um, Having a theme that I was sticking to really helped the book not be like 5,000 pages long because. there were like, so many anecdotes or little stories that I could have told, and there was a lot of stuff that got cut out just because it didn't like directly relate. Um, and so it really kept me on task. Um,
3: right.
2: I have other childhood stories that I'd like to do that have to do with different themes, not just gender. But it felt good to be able to like write a book about one specific theme and then tie it in from the time that I'm like a toddler until I'm in high school. And so um, I'm actually kinda of surprised that I managed to like make a cohesive narrative from that early on in my life till that late. I hope I don't repeat myself too much in the
0: book. Well I, I sat down to read it and then I was gonna spend like an hour reading it and mm-hmm. putting it down. I read, read it in one sitting because it's just so it's so focused and so enjoyable. And there's there's so many great nuances that come through through Great. Thank you. So, um, this this is applicable to the book, uh, best pair of underpants you've ever owned. Oh,
2: man, it's definitely those Super Mario Brothers ones that I got myself wearing. Um, yeah, I had a thing for boys underwear, and now I have a thing for those Hanes girls underwear that look like boys underwear. I'm like How many people in the audience are like nodding? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Finally, someone made girl
0: underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <she was. laughs> um, OK, so the, the punk rocker in me is hoping that the, the book after Tomboy mm-hmm. focuses more on punk rock. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of like the blossoming in there. And I don't want to put any words in your mouth. But uh, you do you know the Cleveland Bound Death Sentence song, um, Between the Lines?
2: Um, I know the band, but I don't know that I know the song specifically. Because you know what? iPods really ruin your ability to know what song you're listening
0: yeah. to. You yeah. <laughs> with, with like the generation I come from? Yeah.
3: It's the, all about, the record, yeah. Record.
0: <laughs> and then there's this thing called a lyric sheet. And you, it's really big. Yeah. And you, you sit and listen to it. And it, what it says is, some, thing, some things fit better out of place. Mm-hmm. And so that, that read, actually, that lyric resonated with your book. Where you come to that clarifying moment when re- you're reading a zine mm-hmm. thinking oh i thought about this all kind of backwards mm-hmm. I'm kind of falling into the, the stereotype even mm-hmm. the back end of it mm-hmm. how do you, how were you susceptible to that message then like so there's people that will see that or hear that and go ah, whatever
2: um i think i was just at a point in my life where i was starting to see women who were more empowered and doing things like writing zines or being in bands or being at the Teen Art Center and like deciding that they wanted to have their own zine show and library and just like doing it and things like that. Um, It really resonated with me because I always wanted to be someone who was doing something. So I always felt like I was kind of like confined to this like boys are the ones who do things and girls are the ones who just kind of sit there. So seeing people who were like, Active in the punk scene or active in the zine community just kind of signaled to me, like, oh yeah. You know, like, seeing Ariel Stragg's comics were kind of like, oh, like, comics don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be like, how to draw comics the Marvel way. Like, right. I just kind of saw these signals that's like, oh, just being yourself is kind of like enough.
0: Right. I just have one more question.
2: Yeah.
0: How different do you think your childhood would be? if they did the remake of Ghostbusters with the all-female cast that you were 10 to 13?
2: Man, I can't even imagine what that is. But I have a feeling Slimer would probably be pink instead of green. Um, I don't know, because I was pretty, like, anti-girl at that point, so maybe I wouldn't have even watched Ghostbusters if there was a bunch of girls, as sad as that is to say. I would love to see girl Ghostbusters today, though. We should get on that. No, they, they, no,
0: no they're doing, doing it. it. They seriously, are. seriously. That's that's what I hear. Is That, they're
2: what? that better not be some crappy internet rumor. <laughs> uh, <hopefully not. laughs> <laughs> don't bum <laughs> everyone House such a misinformation.
0: So, I thought we should open up questions to the audience for a little bit, if yeah, that's okay with That would be great
2: if anyone has any questions for me. inspired you to make this book now? That's a funny question. I think circumstance just kind of did. Um, Zest, who published the book, is um, an imprint of Hope Mifflin that does like teen and young adult books. And they approached me about doing, um, they they wanted a nonfiction graphic novel by female artists. That's kind of like what they're trying to do. And when they first approached me about it um, in either early 2012 or late 2011, I kind of was like, oh, that's really cool, but I don't really have any work that like fits into that genre. And I was like, um, you know, I'll definitely think about it. But I'm not going to come up with a concept just to come up with a concept because I'd never drawn a graphic not hold, before. I'd never done a book that was 250 pages, and the idea of having to write a 250 page book that I'm not like passionate about seems like the worst thing in the world, so I was a little bit like nonchalant and non-committal, and I was kind of like, yeah, I'll think about it, and if something comes up that I feel I could fit into that genre, then I'll get in touch, and if not, um, and publish a book by my friend Ramsey called <laughs> Little Fish. I should really be an agent for them. It's they, like they've been hooked up with so many of my friends subsequently. Um, and then I was um, I was reading an article online about a female to male trans high school student. And I was thinking about it and I was like, if I had been given the choice when I was like 13 years old to become a guy would I have? And I don't know. My answer probably would have been yes back then, and um, you know, really just got me thinking about like, you know, why was I so against being a girl? Why was that such an important part of my identity? Why was I so stringently a tomboy, for lack of a better word, still? Um, and I just kind of thought, you know, there's an interesting story there, and so that was why I decided to write this book now. Probably always been somewhere in the back of my mind. Yes.
3: I I really love your presentation. I thought I re- it, a lot of it resonated with my life. I cried when I wore dresses. Had the gold chain. <laughs> I I showed, yeah. You know I had a, I had a white popple, You know life was great. And then where my like idea of my story diverges from yours was. I did find punk, mm-hmm. and I find, I found it to be incredibly anti-woman, mm-hmm. and I was living in Boston at the time. Hardcore is a big thing, straight edge. I was like, I'm gonna go straight edge, I'm gonna be vegetarian, I'm gonna read the zines, I'm gonna go see Earth Crisis. This is gonna be awesome. And I just never found my niche, and I would book shows, and it would be awkward for me, but it was when I found feminism, and feminist punks, which seemed, Seems to be the vein that you fell into right away, mm-hmm. um, and so I want you to talk a little bit about particularities, maybe of Santa Fe and what the dynamic
2: was like. Oh, I have some Santa Fe people <laughs> here to help me with that if I get anything wrong. Here's the thing: growing up in Santa Fe, I really thought that it sucked, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I thought that our punk scene was like really insular and I thought that we weren't getting good bands coming through, even though I liked them. I was like, "Oh, these are like small Bill and then when I moved to Boston for art school I was meeting people and was realizing, oh wait, we actually had like a really special, really cool scene that actually got a lot of really great bands. Um, and I was kind of stuck in this like small town mentality where I am like, Santa Fe, nothing's going on there. I mean, youth culture really wasn't like a thing except for Warehouse 21 which was there to empower teens to book their own shows and have their own bands Um, and so I really like came into it from this like youth empowered aspect instead of being in a city like Boston that has like almost no all ages venues, Um, we only had an all ages venue like no one else played anywhere else in town Um, and so uh, I didn't even really know that there was this other aspect of it. I mean, you know, I still had friends who were, girls and bands suck, like, bands with girls singers are dumb. Um, but, like, um, I didn't even realize that there was, like, this feminist aspect of it until I, like, went to school and started talking to people. That was just, like, what was normal about it. Um, and I think that, you know, it wasn't, like, an overnight, like, Oh, I'm super stoked on being a girl, and I'm a hardcore feminist. Um, it was more like, oh, I can like let my guard down a little bit. I don't have to be so like prickly about all these. like. I don't have to be so like, hey, don't call me a girl. Yeah, I can't wear that. Someone will think I'm a girl. Um, um, and it was like a slow evolution to finally being like, yeah, I'm a feminist. I agree with all these ideals. Like, let's smash the patriarchy. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, tomboy is really like where it ends is where that other part starts. Um, and I would like to write another book that kind of talks more about like the specifics of feminism, how it relates to punk. Because I feel like sometimes being an adult tomboy just means you're a punk rock girl <laughs> in certain aspects. So that might be the title of my next book, but don't tell anyone yet. <laughs> have a question? I like that. That means I explained everything. (laughs) No one is confused. Cool. Well, um, I hope you enjoyed your time here. If you would like to buy my books, they're up there behind the counter and I can draw on them for you. Um, Otherwise, let's just hang out and talk.
0: Thank you, Liz. Okay, come on, you guys. One big round of applause for
2: Liz.
1: you've been listening to the skylight books author reading series don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com today's music was provided by young jesus you can check them out at youngjesus.bandcamp.com thanks again for stopping by and we hope to see you soon